0: You're listening to Working Girl Talk. I'm your host, Abby Zufeld. As a marketing strategist in the corporate world and a side hustler myself, you'll hear the real girl talk on all things workplace and work life. Now, let's talk. Welcome back to Working Girl Talk. We are on episode 95. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is a big month for Working Girl Talk. We have our two-year anniversary And our hundredth episode is just around the corner as well. So this is such a special time. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. And as always, we're going to start today's episode with some headlines, two headlines that are interesting this week. Then we will head into our interview with today's guest, who I'm very excited about, Irene Moore. Let's head into those headlines. First up from TechCrunch, Clubhouse, we all know Clubhouse, I've talked about it before, the audio-only app that is now valued at $1 billion, reportedly, is now allowing users to send money to their favorite creators or speakers on the platform. So Clubhouse released a blog post that announced this new monetization feature called Clubhouse Payments as the first of many So if this feature is enabled, the user will be able to tap send money on a user's profile, enter the amount. TechCrunch describes it as a virtual tip jar, which I think describes it perfectly. Something interesting, 100% of the payment will go to the creator. The person sending the money will also be charged a small card processing fee that will go to Stripe, which is the processing partner. And Clubhouse quote will take nothing. So that is an interesting concept. Usually the first thing for these companies is to figure out how they can make money. So it's interesting to see that it's a fully creator given option. Very interesting and we'll see if people actually use this. Next story in a similar industry from CNBC International, Spotify says it will buy Betty Labs. Betty Labs is the maker of a live audio app called Locker Room that's focused on sports. People describe this as very similar to Clubhouse. The terms of the deal have not been announced, but the focus on so- social audio features rose to prominence last year with lots of clubhouse as we know so this has just been launching in popularity now spotify has bought betty labs this is just one of the many acquisitions that spotify has had over the last couple of years i feel like even the last couple months spotify is just picking up everything so we will see maybe spotify will try to compete with clubhouse and those are our two headlines for today let's dive into today's interview from her start at L'Oreal to running her own digital agency, Irene Moore is a consumer psychology expert and a brand builder. She helps brands share their story with their ideal audiences in a fun and digestible way. She is so fun to talk to. I love her conversation. She has so many fun insights. And she is so interesting that even if like marketing and branding isn't really your area, and like that's not what you focus on, This is still such a fun episode for so many other reasons. We talk about working at L'Oreal and her start in this beauty industry, this beauty space. We talk about consumer psychology, which I think is interesting for every industry. And we also discuss, should brands participate in social conversations? There's been a lot going on this past year. And we also talk about standing out through all the noise. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of brands out there. How do we stand out? This episode is so fun. Irene is awesome. Please enjoy my interview with her. Welcome, Irene, to the show. Can you tell us the moment, the light switched on moment of when you decided to start DM London?
1: I do. You know what I can. And it's the most unglamorous story. <laughs> I can't even tell you. So when I was thinking, I've been thinking about starting a business for a while, as most of us do, you know, we do it whilst we're in our corporate careers. And at the time I was head of a division at L'Oreal. And I just remembered that I'd had such an insane week, like a really brilliant week, but an insane week where because we were launching a brand new brand into the market, it's almost like you roll your sleeves up, right? Everyone is doing a bit of everything. And I remember doing something really basic, like putting a product into the cupboard. And like the night before I'd been speaking at an event inside the BAFTA um, studio to like 400 people and at this point I started being asked to do a lot of guest speaking and, and talk about this at the time called digital communications because <laughs> you know they weren't called influencers then they were just cool girls doing things online right mm-hmm. so I was you know I was getting asked to speak about it more and more I was getting more and more brands asking if I could do consultancy and I remember just at that moment putting that product away and thinking today's the day it was like not there was no drama there was nothing that mm-hmm. happened but I think All of us for a while, we kind of start to get the signs, right? We start to get little downloads that there's something more you should be doing or something different you should be doing. And I think for some reason that day, something just clicked and I thought, hold on a second, if I'm able to start having these powerful conversations with pretty major brands, whilst I'm still in employment, there's no this this feels like the time to go off and try and do something for myself. So you
0: have worked with in a large cor- corporation like L'Oreal yes. and now as a business owner, what's the difference to you? For somebody in my audience who's thinking, oh, do I want to start yeah. my own thing? Like pros and cons? Like what's been the mm. biggest difference to you?
1: I think the biggest difference in all honesty is just your perception of time. Right. So you can talk about the freedom and the money and those are all definitely things that are different. <laughs> um, but I think it's your perception of time and where you want to focus your energy. You know, that's for me when when we talk about freedom, yes, of course I like to travel, or at least we all did, didn't we, before we got in lockdown. Yes, all those things are wonderful, but actually for me, it's the the fact that you can really um focus on the things that matter and that are gonna move the needle with your brands. And you're not necessarily tied up in what does that mean for my next career step, because you're already the boss, where right? there is nowhere else to go. <laughs> and so I love that for me, having that whole side of having the internal, um, I guess, uh, work that you will do at a senior level, that being released really freed up a lot of creativity for me. So I would say that was a big, a big shift. And then obviously there is the, the very real and, and, and uh, I guess exciting element of, of you know, the financial gains of being able to not have any one cap or having to wait for a review. And so those are some of the benefits. I say some of the, if I, cause I like to share the realness of, of entrepreneurship. I'd say some of the, um, the biggest and actually something I wasn't really present to, I didn't even give a second thought to was the fact that it can be quite lonely. You know, especially Mm -hmm. if all your friends are still working and working a normal, you know, a a corporate job because, you know, they don't understand the things that you're obsessing about at two o'clock in the morning and sometimes don't see why you would want to leave an incredible company to, you know, to go out and do it by yourself. So I think the loneliness is definitely one of the, was one of the hardest parts
0: how do you combat that loneliness? Cause even I, like, I'm a side hustler. I work full time and I do the mm. podcast and even that, like, because I'm devoting so much time outside of work to this, like, I feel the yes. loneliness too. Like, how do you combat that? Is that why like you have, like, you're so big on mentorship and savvy startup club
1: and all of that? hundred percent. Like it was totally self-motivated. <laughs> <laughs> um, and by that, I mean, I started a coffee, it was a, a weekly coffee, you know, coffee morning with coffee and connect. And I I really started that because I was like, I don't have huge budgets to go out and get clients. I basically need to get out there and meet local businesses and, and start building relationships. So I knew that for me, something that I'm very, I guess a, a strength is um, being able to connect with people and I'm genuinely interested in people. So for me, that that was something that I had to just do was combat that the loneliness in that way. And then I just got really um became really considered about joining groups online and and connecting with other women in a similar space or going through that similar transition. Uh, So that really, really helped. Um, And sometimes it can be quite challenging because quite frankly, not everyone wants to be sociable all the time. But I think if you build it into almost like the work, your weekly routine, it can really help things and finding just one or two people that you connect with is just as good as having those like water cooler moments in the office. (laughs) Yes, I love that. That's a great
0: tip to kind of build it into your schedule. Because I know if it's not in my schedule, I won't do it.
1: Mm, Especially you, right, because you're working as well. So it has to be, you know, there is an element of um, making it a little bit like work, part of the work, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's so true. Um, so, can you can we kind of rewind a little bit? And how mm-hmm. did you end up working at L'Oreal? Like, were you always kind of into that beauty space? How did that go?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's one of those things that like how long is a piece of string. But I I <laughs> genuinely fell into beauty, and I love it. It's an industry that I really respect and admire, and I love what it does for the economy. And, um, but I genuinely fell into it. I remember getting my very first beauty gig and I was looking for an internship when I was back at uni and thinking I, there was no way I was going to get it. I applied to Revlon because I saw my mum used it. I literally didn't know anything about the brand and I kind of showed up and they gave me the job pretty much as I was on my way home. And I've been in the industry ever since and worked my way through it. So I was actually at Bobby Brown Cosmetics at the time. And part of my remit handling PR was working with their pro artists and connecting with makeup artists and creatives and, and getting them to explore the products. And that's when I realized, hold on a second, there's all these other people, these all these cool girls that are just doing makeup in their bedroom. And they've got tons of people watching them and, this, and watching, looking at their blogs. And so I just became really obsessed with that and started building my own sort of mini network and I remember looking back at the time as so many of my PR friends were like um what are you doing <laughs> who, who are these random girls that you know you're meeting at Starbucks and um I was like I don't know they're just doing this cool stuff with makeup and it literally that's how it skyrocketed so when L'Oreal you know I got the call and if you're in the beauty industry it's kind of like the holy grail call right it got headhunted by like the biggest brand and um they was they said they wanted to set up this this division that really just focused on that sort of digital comms, um, content and the, the role doesn't exist. So you'll have to create it. Um, and you know, I, I guess it was a no brainer for me in terms of really sort of stepping out of my comfort zone and, and, and stepping into it. So, you know, like most people, I sort of climb my way up the corporate ladder and then the more that you do and the more that you, um, are, I guess, less afraid to start and try new things and shout about it internally, the more people externally notice you. So that, that was really how it, how it happened to me.
0: Very cool. Making your own role that doesn't exist. I feel like that would be really fun, but also a lot of pressure.
1: <laughs> terrifying, <laughs> terrifying. Um, it is a lot of pressure, but you know what? I actually think that I, I will always be grateful for that experience because that really set me up for entrepreneurship. If I'm honest. Because it was scrappy and there was no roadmap and I was kind of making it up as I went along. (laughs) (laughs) I say that now but luckily it worked out but yeah it, it was terrifying because you are essentially asking you know a pretty huge organization who is set in their ways and has always done things a certain way to trust you to do things differently. And, you know, that's what we do when you're in a service base. So if you're selling agency services or anything else, that's really what you're asking your clients to do every time you present a campaign is that like, let's try and push something out in a different way and let's try and connect it a different way. So I'm very grateful that they, they trusted me to be able to do that.
0: I love that. And I love the word trust. Cause I think that's something that's so important in, mm. in the workplace and especially in client relationships. Now, mm. as you've been consulting and you have an agency, any tips for somebody who's
1: trying to establish that trust with clients? Such a good question. I think there's two things that I would say, right? The first is meet them where they're at. Right. So it can be tempting. especially if you're in a new role or you're coming into a new, you know, even a position internally to come in and kind of make your mark and, you know, come in and, and sort of do that big sweeping change. But actually change is scary for all of us, right? Even if you are maverick, you know, change is scary. So there is an element of almost starting really small, looking at existing campaigns that they're doing and just putting a new spin on it. Right, taking it, like taking it up a notch. So that way you're acknowledging what they're doing is good. And here's how we can make more people see it. So it's a different conversation to, let's how we can make it better, right? It's a completely different conversation. And so I think starting where they're at, meeting them where they're at and, and being really comfortable with it being a partnership rather than your idea is a really, is my first sort of tip. My second tip is, and I always say this to people, if you ever want a brand, big or small, to do anything that is maybe a little bit different outside of their comfort zone, show them what their competitors are doing. Because we all have, you know, and I'm a brand owner as well. I have my own brand, right? So we all have a really romantic view of our brand, right? That we are the most amazing and only people doing it in the world. And it's just not true. And I think sometimes showing them that this conversation is happening with or without us and this is how we can be a part or, you know, you sort of have an active role in this conversation is easier than trying to position it as this brand new, amazing new maverick idea that, you know, that can be quite scary for brands. So I would say first and foremost, definitely just, Um, start meet them where they're at and then also be aware of the landscape of your industry or the industry that your client is in and come at their any ideas with that in mind first and then how they play a role in it.
0: Irene, this is why you are here. I love it. So many good tips. (laughs) That is so helpful. And I think so smart because like you said, change is scary for everyone. So if Mm. it's super drastic, of course, a client is going to be like, wait, what? That is such a great point. Mm. So that kind of gets us into this digital, this marketing world, this branding world that you live in. So I know that you are somebody that is really into consumer psychology. Can you talk to us about that? Like, what is that for someone that doesn't know that term?
1: Sure. So I am definitely a consumer psych junkie. I'm so interested in what makes certain brands certified cool and certain brands just not. You know, because the brand doesn't get to decide. We get to decide as the customer and the consumer, right? We get to decide. And I think it's really easy to kind of think, oh, well, they just put that celebrity on it. And a lot of brands think this, I'll just put that celebrity on it and then it will be certified cool. And it's just not the case. We see many examples of where brands have done that and it hasn't worked. So consumer psychology is really looking at a few things. It's looking at the mood of the nation, So what's going on? One of the things I love about your show, Abby, is how you talk about the news and what's going on in the bigger world. You know, I I really love that because I think sometimes we forget that they're not just sitting around waiting for our brand's posts on Instagram, (laughs) right? They're being bombarded with news. And so it's really looking at how does their current environment affect how they may feel about purchasing decisions? Right. And so there's that. And then there's what does my purchasing decision say about me? You know, when I buy into a specific brand, what does that say about me? If I choose to share a post or share a picture of my new buy, what do I want my community to know about me or believe about me? Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's the very real conversation about finance. Right. How do I how does my income or my perceived worth impact the purchasing decisions that I make, you know? And I think brands that do it really well are the brands that can connect with people on a cultural level, like, you know, pop culture level, conversational level in the way that you do talking about what's going on right now in the news, Um, and brands that can give an element of aspiration to their customers, even if they are a budget-friendly brand, you know, giving them that sort of element of, you know, creating moments where they can feel a little bit of luxury in their small way. And then also brands that can ensure they're speaking and connecting with people who are open to spending what it is that they want to sell their brand for. I don't believe anything is too expensive. I think they'll just be what people are willing to pay. So your job as a brand is really to find those people that are willing to pay what it is that you want to sell.
0: So interesting. I think it really puts your brain in the mind of the consumer rather than you, because what you want as a brand, maybe no one else wants that. So Mm. it's smart to think about what do they want? What do they need? I think that's so smart. Um, so on that first tip of kind of like joining like conversations. So on like social media, I know that there's been a lot of news over the past year and yes, there has.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's been uh, a quiet news year. Actually,
0: <laughs> So do you think it's important for brands to acknowledge things like that or like kind of Acknowledge but still stick to the brand or not address mm-hmm. things. I think that is something that I'm seeing, I'm watching and I feel like brands are trying to navigate that right now.
1: Hundred mm, percent. You're spot on. I think what was really interesting for us as an agency was the amount of brands that, you know, for, for a couple of reasons, um, came to us to really look at messaging. Um, And these were not long-term, some of them were long-term clients, but these were brands that just wanted a strategy session, A, probably with a woman of color so that they could have conversations that they maybe have never had to have before. But B, because we focus on community community building and and your community becoming your advocates, how can we love on our community a bit more at a time where we're in a pandemic and this is the first time that the entire world is having the same shared experience. And so to answer your question, I think it's down for the brand to know what their lane is right and personally I think it's strange when brands are tone deaf in terms of no acknowledgement whatsoever that there's been shifts in the social psyche right that that's strange right that's what we would call a tone deaf brand however it doesn't mean that your brand has to become uh ambassador or spokesperson for the cause if it's not aligned with your brand right Mm. so can i give you a concrete example just so you can sort of people listening can kind of think about so we have um um, a brand in our in our in our roster that speaks specifically to um, women of color it's a hair brand specifically for textured hair and so it would have been strange with everything happening last summer around the black lives matter movement and the protests, to not acknowledge what was going on, right? Mm-hmm. But the brand itself, the personality—it's fun, it's young, it's playful, right? So it's a case of acknowledging and discussing it, acknowledging what's going on, and making it very clear their standpoint. But also, okay, let's take this to one, one step further. How is our community feeling right now? They're feeling cooped up. They're feeling like you know they they maybe they're feeling a little bit alone. Maybe they're living on their own. And so we started creating regular appointments with our community called Kanchu Convos, right? So we'd bring in their favorite influences and we just have conversations about anything we felt like talking about. And I think it's those kinds of ways of acknowledging that, listen, we're all in this together. That can be quite subtle. It doesn't mean you have to actively campaign for something. Mm-hmm. And so I think that those are the ways that we would look at individually, every single brand and see how can that work for you? I, I, I did Looking at some other brands in that sort of space that did it really well, I think um, Kiehl's did it really beautifully. They were doing sort of, you know, massage and meditation, like skin massage and meditation to help people find that moment of calm. And so they weren't necessarily campaigning, but they were acknowledging that what's going on in the world is real and it's real for all of us.
0: hmm. And I like those examples too, because it's not related to the actual product. It's Mm. really something just to serve that community who Mm. uses the product, which I think is cool.
1: Yeah. Very, very cool. I, I love things like that. You know, we are doing a lot of playlists for clients as well and, you know, working with influencers. And I think it's sort of stepping into that realm of, we know that people are at home. We know that they're looking for ways to kind of feel a little bit more connected to the world. So as a brand, let's use our platform in a more positive way to be able to, to support them with that. Those are the brands that your customers are going to remember. Definitely.
0: I, I love that. So much great insight. And speaking of brands, mm. for, for maybe somebody owns a brand or their personal brand, how do they stand out and feel special? There's a lot of competition. And even just scrolling through your social media, I feel like it's easy Mm. for you to get down on like, Oh, like I'm not unique. Nothing makes me special. like everyone's doing what I want to do. Any advice for somebody who's kind of feeling like that, like that maybe they're having trouble standing out as a brand or a company, Mm. how do they combat that?
1: It's such a good question. And I'm really glad you brought it up because You know especially on the mentoring side we mentor predominantly product-based businesses but we do get a few service-based um businesses there as well and i think that's one of the biggest challenges that they they talk about is that everyone is kind of saying the same thing right and everyone's kind of offering the same thing and i just want to invite anyone who's feeling a little bit like they're stuck in this echo chamber of (laughs) conversation that your your job is not to just stand out and just be all things to everybody right your job is really just to be the go-to to to your community to your collective of people because if we go down the road of competition and concerning ourselves with that we would just never do anything right there's always going to be people before you after you on the same level as you because what we forget when we're obsessing about being different is that we are not making the decision the customer is just in the same way. If you are walking down the bread aisle, I guarantee that they are 10 or a dozen different brands of bread on that aisle, but I'm willing to bet you go to the same brand every week.
0: So true, right? So true.
1: So we are already, and this is why consumer psychology is so interesting because we already self-edit every decision that we're making so as much as we worry about the competition your customer your dream customer your future customer is already self-editing whether you're their cup of tea or not Mm -hmm. right they've already decided you know so your job is just to show up and serve that's all your job is to do right and of course, I can give you tips around, you know, thinking about how can you make your feed stand out and how can you, you know, go against the curve. And there's so many hacks that you see online. Um, but one thing I would definitely say is really think about what you believe. right? what is your genuine belief? Are you putting out things? I always think that I have a little bit of a checklist. Do I really believe what I'm putting out right now? Am I walking that talk that I'm putting out right now? Because I think. You know, especially right now, you know, fakeness can be felt, and also, what value does this truly bring that I'm bringing out right now? You know, and say, this is why I'm doing this. Let people know your intention, because your intention can never be the same as anyone else's. You know, so just don't. I my my I guess, my resounding thing is. Just showing up and serving from a genuine place is enough for you to stand out because your customer is already self-editing. If you're for them, that's never going to be your decision.
0: I think that's such that's a way more healthy mindset too because I think mm. we flip it so on us. But it's like no, it's up to the consumer. And I love what you said: show mm. up and serve. That right there, bam. Mm. That's that's the quote for that's this our job. <laughs> that's the job that it really is the job and that really taps into purpose too Mm. which is kind of like everything we've talked about is kind of tied into that so I think that Mm. is
1: beautiful (laughs) thank you thank you and you know you see you see it I see it with the people that I follow and I really admire and they're not concerned about anything other than just adding value every time they show up and I think if we can try and it's difficult It is difficult, but if we can just try and and stay focused on that rather than all the noise, building a business is going to be more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more fun, you know, because you're just focused on serving and that's it. And we want it to be fun. I mean, why not?
0: (laughs) Yep exactly is there a trend that you like right now going on in like the digital like social media space and I guess what do you think about trends because I know with TikTok becoming so popular Mm -hmm. like trends have been such a thing but then we do end up seeing a lot of the same content so yeah uh, like do you have a trend you like right now and what do you think about the trends happening
1: (laughs) okay so this is me trying to say this in a way that doesn't um put me out of business Mm. so (laughs) let me think about this trend okay trends are of course we have to be aware of trends we're in marketing we have to be aware of why the consumer is finding interest in that I think that is actually more what I focus on rather than the trend itself like why is it that people want super short content why is it they want to consume content that looks like this you know, I think if you think about the stressful wet year that we've had, um, it's no surprise that people wanna laugh. They wanna giggle, they want some silly, they want some play, right? Mm-hmm. So I think when you're looking at the trend, look bigger picture, do we need to, and I'm talking from a brand perspective, do we need to be thinking about, does our content make you laugh? Does our content give you what it is that you need right now rather than the platform itself? Because platforms come and go. Does anyone remember Periscope? You <laughs> do actually... you remember when periscope was a thing i forgot like about honestly do you know what? something popped up on you know, when, you know when you get those reminders on your um like your instagram or oh, your yeah? facebook and say oh this time six years ago and it t- throws <laughs> it back and it was a talk that i was giving this time six years ago for soho house and it was how t- it was literally how to make it on periscope <laughs> <laughs> And it was really funny because I was like, remember Periscope? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's but but what that trend I now see and what we see is that that trend at the time is that people wanted live and less glossy, super edited and polished content. Right. So the trend itself is what are people asking for? Why has it become a trend? If you can hook on to that rather than I have to be showing up on this new platform and, and stressing myself out about it, do it if you enjoy it. But if you can't, you know, think about, well, what is it that about that content, the way they're serving that up that people want right now? I love
0: you know? it. That, that consumer psychology, man, that is such a cool mindset. I think that is so cool. And it really does take the pressure off of you instead of, oh, I freaking out about it. It's, oh, wait, why do they like that? What can I do to serve in that way? So yeah,
1: 100%. that is so
0: cool. I really like that. So as we wrap up we're about to head into the working girl talk top 10 but Mm -hmm. before we head into that one last question for you so on this path to entrepreneurship what Mm -hmm. has been the biggest learning lesson that you could share with the women in my audience who are on the beginning of this journey or kind of in the middle Mm -hmm. of it
1: yes this is a really great great question it's actually been a a really i'd say it's a it's a blessing but at the time it didn't feel like it um I would say that, and I guess maybe as well, I'm speaking maybe specifically to maybe some of your listeners who are from different backgrounds or just perceived as different, right? Is remembering that you belong here, that you don't have to prove anything to anyone else to be starting this business, going for that promotion, whatever it is that you want. You don't need to earn extra stripes. You belong here. And that was something that I really, I guess, making that transition from corporate life where it did feel like it was more of a struggle. Mm -hmm. And I did feel like, oh, I feel like I'm having to jump more hoops than other people, even though I'm bringing more money to this agency, right? There there were certain things that were happening. But I think when you are thinking about stepping out on your own, that can be really terrifying if you have that mindset that somehow you don't belong. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the biggest learn for me was that actually I can just decide right now that Mm -hmm. I belong here. And so I guess that would be my biggest, you know, it seems like a simple thing, but just really stepping into that and believing that, that you don't have to prove, do, learn anything more. You can literally just start now and believe that you belong and you will, if you keep going, you will be successful.
0: I love that. Perfect way to wrap that up. So good. Okay. We are going to head into the top 10. Let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) First one, my first job ever.
1: My first job ever was actually a denim specialist (laughs) at the Levi's store. And a guy I was crushing on was working there at the time. (laughs) And so I thought I'd look cute and go in and ask for a job. And he managed to get me a job. And the funny part of the story is that he's now my husband. Oh! Oh fun, happy ending. I love that. (laughs) I mean, obviously we didn't get married at 15 because that would be weird. Um, but yeah, years years on we became really great friends and yeah, we're now married. (laughs) That's so
0: cute. I love that. That's so fun. And next one, an essential part of my day is
1: an essential part of my day is gratitude, like just really taking truly three minutes to write down what I'm grateful for before anything else. Um, I think that it seems like such a simple thing to do, but you'll be surprised at just how much it shapes and shifts your mindset for the day.
0: Love it, I totally agree. And next one, Mm
1: -hmm. I'm
0: obsessed with a blank right now. Whatever you're obsessed with, a show, a product, a song, a a thing, whatever you're obsessed with right now.
1: Okay, it's kind of a (laughs) weird one hear it <laughs> I'm obsessed with like horror flicks
0: Ooh. I mean
1: to be fair the news right now is just one ongoing horror flick <laughs> right it's a one one of, but I'm just it's, it's something new that I've really got into and I've always enjoyed creative writing and then for my birthday um, my husband brought me a mo- uh, membership to Masterclass. you oh, know the go- yeah and um, so I've been learning how to like actually structure horror stories so I think that's become a bit of an obsession at the moment nothing to do with work sorry I told you it was weird (laughs) no I love it that's
0: so fun I think that's way cool do you have a favorite horror movie
1: oh oh I don't I can't say I've got a favorite there's certain things I like about about different thrillers that I feel like could make into horrors but I like horror movies where you kind of You kind of know it's coming, but then sometimes the twist is just so unbelievably unrealistic that it doesn't even matter anymore. You know when they just throw in something so random that you're like, why did I even watch this (laughs) to the end? You know, Um, I would say for me, us was a really big turning point um, with Lupita You know, leading Lupita, just because we'd never seen a horror film that was a pure black cast. So for me, that was really like, wow, actually, there's so many, when you think culturally, so many things that we could draw upon, it would be so cool to see more of that. So I'd say if I had to pick a favorite, that would be it right now.
0: I love it, so good. And next one, Mm -hmm. a girl boss that I look up to.
1: I'm really so inspired by my friends. All of us started our journeys around the same time. Um, If I'm trying to think of someone that is well known, it has to be auntie o, right it has to be Oprah like who else who else is there um yes. <laughs> but mainly not just because of what she's achieved but I just love that the the way she's empowered herself through having building her own platform in the way that you have you know and you know and us with our podcast don't ever underestimate the power of being able to speak unedited in this world that we live in and so for me that's what I admire the most and the way that she uses her platform for social good in her world so she has to be the ultimate
0: Yes, we love it. We love <laughs> Oprah.
1: And next one, I'm currently listening to. An audio book that I literally listened to in a day is a book by, and I'm really sorry, I think I've forgotten his name. I'm going to quickly sneak up my phone, but it's, book, <laughs> it's a book called 12 Months to a Million. And the reason why I thought it was so cool was because there's very few sort of very product-based um, books out there you know there's loads about sort of building a personal brand and things like that but I just found this really really um, interesting approach to building a product-based business and it's by Ryan Daniel Moran. I'm grateful
0: for blank.
1: I'm grateful for my health and happiness. Health is everything. I learned the hard way guys (laughs) seriously (laughs) and health is everything. I have blank at my desk always. But I have about two crystals on my desk at any time. <laughs>
0: oh fun I like it we need the good vibes.
1: We <laughs> need the good vibes one's really grounding one gives me energy and and joy so yeah I always have that I feel like just having anything I always have a plant having anything that connects me with the earth it's, is essential.
0: I feel most confident when?
1: That's a really good question actually I think I feel most confident when I am Surrounded in my own surroundings, it sounds weird, but I don't. I'm not necessarily. I'm. I wouldn't say I was introverted. Some people might, um, but I definitely feel most confident when I'm like this in my zone and talking and sharing and and serving in this way. I feel most confident and surrounded by people I love.
0: Proudest mm-hmm. moment in your career so far.
1: Proudest moment in my career so far. I would have to say is, is is kind of the transition that we're going through right now. Um, I'm in the process of relocating uh, from the UK. So that has meant a lot of shifting of mindset and hiring people to kind of replace me within the agency. So I'm proud of it because recently I got kicked out of a meeting. <laughs> and it was pretty awesome because it, it made me at first it was a bit like oh right okay so you don't need me in here and they're like no not really and so that that was that was awesome to know that I've built something that actually works and doesn't require me to be in it all the time so that I'd say for me it seems like a really strange thing I got kicked out of a meeting and that's my proudest moment but it is <laughs>
0: I love it. That is so cool. And we are on the last one, number 10. I am inspired by blank.
1: I am inspired by kindness. I cannot tell you how important it is, especially right now. Like, there's always, no matter what your beliefs are, who pinched who first in the royal playground and all of that madness, right? Nothing, nothing, nothing is better service to everyone than just choosing a kinder way to do something or a kinder way to approach a problem. It will always serve you and will always get things fixed much faster. So that is my inspiration, 100% hands down.
0: I love it. A beautiful way to end the top 10. You made it through.
1: (laughs) Yes, I can breathe now. I was really nervous about that
0: but you did great. I loved it. You have great answers. Where can everyone follow you and check out Savvy Startup and everything you're doing?
1: Sure. So I am always getting up to no good on Instagram. So <laughs> definitely head over there. You probably won't get any big tips or anything, but you'll see the, the fun that we're having. It's Irene Moore underscore. Um, if uh, you want to find out more about the agency or how we help um, product based brands um, really um, up level their marketing. Best thing to do is really go to my website, Irene because then that way you can get signed posted to our agency and our mentoring programs.
0: I hope you enjoyed my interview with Irene. Make sure to take a screenshot of this episode while you're listening. Tag Irene, tag Working Girl Talk so we can see what you have to say and see your thoughts on the episode. We love to hear what you have to say. Every episode of Working Girl Talk ends with a Friday favorite, something I liked that week and this week goes to Taylor Swift re-releasing Fearless. It is out now, one of my favorite albums by her with some new songs now too, so very excited to dive into that. Thank you so much for listening to Working Girl Talk. We are celebrating two years next week. I cannot believe it. I am so appreciative of all your support and thank you for tuning in with me every single week. Even more exciting and more fun things to come. If you enjoyed this show, please leave a five-star review and make sure to subscribe to the show too. I hope you have a wonderful workday. I will talk to you next week.